All right, good morning. Good morning. Come on. Good morning. There we go. <laughs> All right. If you guys have your Bibles, uh, uh, please open those to Hebrews chapter 13. If you do not, uh, the passage will, passages we'll be looking at this morning will be up on the, uh, on the screen up there. So uh, we are in our second to last week in our series called Covenant Community. Second, are we clapping because it's almost done? No. It's so, it's so much fun. We have talked about so much good stuff. Uh, as someone said recently, controversial stuff. Uh, and it has been a joy. And you guys have been a joy. Uh, so we have been talking about what it means to be a New Testament church. A covenant community. Um, we live in a world today where everybody has their own ideas of church. And what we've said is we want to kind of push all that out the window. And we want to take a look at what God's word says. The New Testament, the church and the New Testament should look like. And I believe, guys, I, I'm, I am not joking. I, and, I'm, and I'm not just trying to pad you all with uh, um, encouragement so that I can rip you apart in the next hour uh, I really do mean this, okay? I really do mean this. We have grown so much as a church. Like the hearts and minds of our people over the past, um, nine, today will be 19 weeks. The hearts and minds of our people in the past 19 weeks have just radically changed. And just the, the DNA that we are building right now into our community is crucial for God's use of us in the future. It is crucial for us to understand at the very core who we are as a church. If you can remember back, some of you were here back over the summer, we started the gospel series. And I think that kind of marks kind of the beginning of a major transformation of our church. I don't know, some of you were before that, some of you have come afterwards, but, but those of you who have been here since then, if you can think back to the gospel series, when we talked about at its core, what, who are we, how are we saved, and what does this life look like afterwards? And then that kind of catapulting us, we did a, another series in between there, and then we went into the community series. And so we started with, what does it look like for us as believers? We, and one of the main things that we got out of that series is, we don't need the gospel just for the moment in life when we are saved. We need the gospel to work out our salvation, as Paul talks about in Philippians 2 as well. So we need the gospel for all of it. It's not well, we move on to bigger and better things. No, we need the gospel then, and we need him just as much, if not more today, than we did then. And so from there, once we really have that understand, understood, the other core thing is how do we work this out in this life that God's given us to live? Well, we, one of the major components that God has set up for us is to live it out in the community of believers. There is no Lone Ranger Christianity. It's not in the New Testament. The idea of living Christianity by yourself is not in the New Testament. Living Christianity as a part of a parachurch ministry is not in the New Testament. We live out of Christianity as a part of a local church, a local expression of the universal church. And, and that is where we live out this faith. This is where we challenge each other. We hold each other accountable. We have leadership. We, we uh, serve and we do the mission together and we evangelize together and all those things. That's part of the community of believers. So we're in this next to last week. Now let me do a, a housekeeping thing that we've kind of summarized the past uh, like year almost uh, in a few short sentences. 
Um, today, you're going to get a copy of our new covenant. You're not going to get it till the end because I know some of you would be reading it and not paying attention. So you're going to get it at the end. It'll be on the Welcome Center. Make sure every single one of you gets a copy of that. If you, I tell you, if you have though, like in a family, you, you don't need to take one for each of you. You can take one for the, uh, yes, you actually have it. All right. So, so someone just pointed out, you have, that's not the full covenant, okay? So what you have on your paper there is one page of our three-page covenant. Yeah. <laughs> so like 20 weeks per page, and we'll be done And when Jesus gets back. Uh, we will figure it out how to be the church by the time Christ gets back. No, um, that is, so let me, and this is, this is part of what I need to explain to you guys, is that is really the core of our covenant right there. That really says basically everything. It's page two and page three is basically just bullet pointed from that. Kind of says specifically, but something that it does that this does not do is on page two you'll see kind of an explanation of what a covenant is. We want that as part of our covenant. We want to say what a covenant is and why we're, we have a covenant with Christ. We have a covenant as a church and um, the other part of that, that page two says, and you'll see this later, page two describes on there the leadership's commitment to the community. So page two just says what, what Russ and I currently as elders in this church, our commitment to the community is. And then the third page is basically a, a, a more bullet-pointed statements of what's on page one. There's nothing new on page two and page three. Um, but we really think the clarification and, and the more explicitly stating a few things is very helpful for us. So here's what you need to do. Every family needs to pick up a copy of that covenant. Um, also, let me say this. If you're not a member of, of Renovation Church currently, okay, there's a separate card right next to that covenant that you need to take home as well. Because here's what's going to happen. Next week, we're going to have the Lord's Supper together as a body. And non-members, you are welcome to do that, uh, to participate in that with us. Um, of course, that's assuming, you know, your, your walk with Christ is in the right place. And there's no uh, pending uh, issues between you and another brother, even if it's not at this community. And, um, you know, all those things that are appropriate for communion or the Lord's Supper. Um, but if you're a non-member... Currently, I didn't want to next week like let you just sit in your seats and while the church comes up. Because what's going to happen is we're going to sign our new covenant as a body publicly next Sunday. Um, and so there will be a fresh copy up here that, that current members you will be able to sign. And then the card though for those who are not currently members, the card that you're going to take home is just a real simple card. And what that is... If the Lord is leading you to, okay, this is there's no pressure here. What that card is, is an opportunity for you to come up with our body and to sign a commitment to pursue membership with Renovation Church and as a body. That's all it is. And it's expressly, it explicitly states that on there that you're not joining the church by, by doing that. But what it is, is you're just saying, hey, I would like to begin the process to become a member at Renovation Church. So, that leads us to what's the process of becoming a member of Renovation Church. For those of you who have been here for a while, 
it was really easy. Um, you come to a Sunday afternoon, four, two 45-minute session, uh, and then we have kind of a short interview with, with an elder. Um, that process has changed drastically. And I believe it's by the leading of the Holy Spirit with Russ and I. Um, our, our new membership process briefly is this. Now, let me, before I explain it, non-members and members, you both get to do part of the new membership process, okay? So if you're thinking you're getting grandfathered in, uh, not quite, okay? Uh, and this is because we want the unity. Unity here is so important to us, okay? That, that's, that's the whole reason. We just want everybody to be on the same page. So here's the deal, though. There's not really anything new that is substantial in, the, in our new membership process um, that as current members that you need to worry about. Like, are they changing things on us? And we're not changing doctrine. We're not changing those kind of things. Nothing that is crucial. Kind of just some language and keeping us all on the same page. So with all that said, our new membership process is this. Um, there's seven classes so if you're thinking two 45-minute class, wow, there's seven now. Each one will be between 30 and 60 minutes. We have not finished them completely yet. So seven classes, and there's a worksheet. And some of you are going, whoa, this is like crazy. There's a worksheet with each class. Uh, basically, it's like a fill-in-the-blank, kind of like you will have for a sermon here. Uh, and then there's like five questions, um, kind of open-ended questions to help think through that. And at the end of the, and then those seven classes, here's the cool thing. We're going to put those on video so that you can watch those at home. You can watch it with your spouse. Um, we can also do a, a live kind of thing in the, in the future if we need to. Um, but those are all going to be on our new website, those classes. Um, and so you'll have a, a, basically a worksheet for each seven lessons. And those lessons, well, let, me, let me explain the process. Seven classes. Then at the end of that, we'll have like a sit-down discussion. So uh, with, with one of us elders or both of us. Um, and basically you can ask questions at that point. Um, and an elder is going to kind of be walking through this with you anyways. And then what will happen then is there's a time for you to ask questions, a time for us to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, and that'll be kind of more of a large group kind of setting. And then after that, um, there'll be a, an interview with an elder. Um, and then after the interview with an elder, and the, what that interview is going to look like is we, we want to hear your story, how you came to Christ. And we, we just, we want to make sure we're all, uh, that you understand our, what we're about as a church. And, um, and let me say this too. Those seven classes, it's not just how is renovation structured, and, you know, how do we do church? Like, that's how most membership classes at churches look like. It's like, all right, so our preschool room's over here, and our nursery's over here, and this is the boss. We listen to him, like, and this is our vision, and here's our cute vision statement, and here's our court. Like, it's, it's a whole lot more than that. We just spent 20 weeks, like, spend, talking about church membership, okay? Uh, and I'm trying to squeeze all of that somehow into, like, seven short lessons. And so it's, a lot of it's preaching, okay? I mean, a lot of it is teaching straight from God's Word. And, um, and so after then, if you take the seven classes, interview with an elder, then after that, um, if there's something that needs to happen, like maybe you need to be baptized, um, or if maybe, well, maybe you're not saved, uh, like that's a, a perfect opportunity for us as elders to say, well, hey, 
Maybe you haven't began a relationship with Christ. Let's talk about this. Let's work through this. I hope that through our membership process that lots of people find Christ for the first time. Um, and uh, or maybe get baptized uh, in that as well. And so then after that will come, once if there's anything that needs to be done, we're going to call that like a gospel prescription. Um, if there's any, we, we stole that from another church. Uh, uh, they call it a gospel prescription. So maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe, maybe there's some, some things that you need to learn or we need to work through as, as a, before you commit to this body and the body commits to you. Um, so all that to say, that's our new membership process. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, and I know that. And I know that's so contrary to today's culture. Like, it's all about church growth, and it's all about just as many people as we can get. And I don't believe that's what God's Word said. It's about the purity of the body, first and foremost. And we want the body to maintain its unity that it has. And it's not that we look at visitors and we go, okay, I'm a little shy, I'm a little afraid here. You know, it, It's not like that. It's just... For us, church membership means more than just signing a piece of paper. It means a commitment to the body, and it means a commitment from the body to you. And we're serious about that. So we want us to all be on the same page. And, um, you know, the whole membership process, for, those, for some of you, you're going to be our guinea pigs, right? You're going to be our first ones to go through it. And praise God. Uh, praise God for that. And um, I believe God is adding to our body uh, things. And um, I know of some people that have been coming for a long time and are basically members. Um, but uh, we are asking everybody to go through that class, um, through those classes. If you're currently a member, you don't have to do the elder interview and that stuff that's after because we already have the uh, authority and responsibility to come to you anyways. Um, and so, uh, and, and plus we've been in a community together for a while. So, uh, with all that said, that's, that's our new membership process. Uh, if you have any questions, you don't need to ask them, um, because I probably don't know the answer to them yet. Uh, no, seriously, if you have any questions, you're, we're going to be going through it. So just wait till we start working through it. And what that's going to look like, lastly, is next week, again, We'll have a time where we're going to have everybody come up, you know, like a row at a time. And for current members, you'll be signing our new covenant in front of the body publicly. And then if you're not a member, but you would like to become a member and you want to begin taking those classes, it's just a time for you to kind of make that commitment public. You're not joining the church at that point. Does that make sense? Okay. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Okay. All right. All that fun stuff brings us to our last portion of the main, con- main part of our, uh, of our church covenant. And it says this, as we will submit to the leadership of elders who have been entrusted by God to serve and care for his body by teaching the word of Christ to us and modeling the character of Christ before us. And we will affirm deacons as leading servants in the church. Um. Basically today, you're saying, well, we've already looked at elders and deacons, and yes, we have. So what's left when it comes to leadership? Your guys' responsibility. That's what's left. What does this look like in the community of faith? What's it look like for elders and deacons? And I'll tell you guys, just this past week, uh, Rusty sent me a link to another church's covenant 
And I was reading through this last line, and there's, their covenant is actually very similar to ours. And I get to the last couple lines, and the way it's expressed in their covenant is basically their pastor and staff, pastor and other pastors are lumped together in the same authority group as the deacons. Um, and they are the leaders of the church. And it just, it caused my, honestly, it just caused my heart to sink. Because I'm going, that's just, that doesn't represent God's word. And it was a Baptist church, which is so typical in Baptist churches. The deacons are functioning as elders. We've already talked about how that's not what the Bible says. The Bible, deacons are leading servants. They lead people to serve. They come out of a need in the church. They rise up to take care of a need in the church. Um, but elders are elders, pastors, overseers is one group, and that's who has general oversight of the church. That's what leads. They're responsible for teaching God's word and to, to the church and so on and so forth. And, and I just want to say, I believe, guys, this is, again, I don't believe our covenant is just one way of doing church. I think it's the way of doing church. And you say, well, but that's your opinion. It's God's word. I, I honestly don't know how much clearer God's word can be on the issues that we've talked about in our covenant. I don't think there's, there, there's I, I'll be the first to admit, there's lots of things in God's word that are, can be gray sometimes or can be interpreted a couple different ways. I believe when it comes to God's church, which is his chosen means to glorify himself in this day, I think he has been very clear on what the churches should look like. So, elders leading Deacons leading people to serve. And today we're going to look at what does that look like then for the community? What does this look like for you? With that, Hebrews 13 verse 17. says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Now, let me say from the very beginning two things. First of all, it's hard to preach this kind of sermon because I feel it feels very self-serving. Like, you submit to me, you know? Listen to me. Obey me. Like, it's hard to teach that kind of sermon because it can be and feel so self-serving. And I want you guys to understand, as I have studied this this past week, I just realized just how much of this weight of this passage is actually on the leader's. The weight in the context of this passage, it's on the leaders. Um, but as I've understood what this looks like for you guys, um, and what I hope to communicate today, we'll understand that this text is actually, I think, very easy for us to do as a body. The second thing I want to say is that I count it a blessing, a huge blessing, to pastor you guys. And I don't really mean that because we, you guys follow mine and Russ's leadership very well. Like, you know, for some of you have been in churches where there's fighting going on and, and it's the deacons versus the pastor or the body versus the pastor. The sheep are trying to lead the shepherd and, and it's just a nightmare. And we just, we don't have that here. And I pray God, pray to God, we never have that here. And and it has a lot to do with both of us, but guys, it has a lot to do with you because you guys follow well. And I just want to um, just say thank you. I think you glorify God 
well. I think we have still more things to learn, but you glorify God well with that in your life as a church. So Hebrews 13. This is one of three different times in Hebrews 13 that leaders are mentioned. So let's look at those real quick. Hebrews 13, to go back to verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. So this is where we talked about elders and how we consider their way of life and imitate their faith. That's also applicable to deacons as well, but, but let's stick it with that for right now. Then you go to 13, verse, chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders... Now we're still in the same context. Go to verse 24. It says to greet your leaders. And the picture, guys, here is obeying leaders, remember your leaders, greet your leaders, submitting to leaders. Because these are strong words. These are very, very strong words. Submit is not a comfortable word in our culture today, is it? How many of you guys like the word submit? (laughs) I don't like the word submit. I, I like to be the boss. <laughs> I do. Uh, but I, submit. We don't like that word today. We have all kinds of images when it comes to submit, right? Especially to leadership in the church. I mean, all of us, we come from a variety of different backgrounds, different church situations, different, different experiences when it comes to church leadership. Some positive, some negative. But what I want us to do again and I, and I feel like I'm saying this so much, but I want to say it one more time, or well, probably a hundred more times, but again today is this. Let's throw those subjective experiences to the side, and let's take an objective look at what God's Word says about leaders in the church and how we can put Hebrews 13, 17 into practice. So a quick overview. First of all, leaders in the church. We talked about elders who are servant leaders. These are servant leaders. They provide overall leadership in the church. Elders lead under the authority of Christ. Elders care for the body of Christ. Elders teach the word of Christ. And elders model the character of Christ. You can substitute, again, pastors or overseers with that term, elder. And again, you can look at Acts 20, Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3, 1 Peter 5. Elders who are servant leaders. Then the second week, or last week, we looked at deacons who are leading servants. Deacons who are leading servants, they do not provide overall leadership, but they provide leadership to certain ministries, to certain areas of the church. Deacons meet needs according to the word. Deacons support the ministry of the word, and deacons unite the body around the word. I'm not going to go back and rehash all this. Uh, we did the past two weeks uh, pretty in-depthly. So deacons, deacons are leading servants. Now when it comes to Hebrews 13, what we see in Hebrews 13 is that it says to obey your leaders. So there is a general uh, responsibility here to obey your leaders. So this applies to both deacons and to, um, to elders but I think the implication of this text pertains primarily to elders. Okay? Primarily to why? Look at verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. We have no indication anywhere else in Scripture that deacons will give an account for the souls of the church. The elders, it's explicitly stated in Scripture that we have to give an account for the souls of the church. 
So I think this, there's some general principles that apply to both, but I think the implication more clearly in Hebrews 13, 17 is to the elders of the church. I want us to see, though, how this picture of obedience and submission to leaders in the church, and particularly elders, I want us to see what does that look like today. Submission, obviously, it brings discomfort. We think of wives submitting to our husbands. That brings a lot of us discomfort. For some of the reasons, that why, why does it bring us discomfort? Let's talk about this for a second. Submission according to the culture. Uh, absolute obedience to authoritarian leadership. Some of us have a hard time with submitting because our idea of leadership in the church or leadership in the home is absolute obedience to authoritarian leadership. The key there being absolute. Now do it because I said so. Do it. Authoritarian leadership. Now, let me make a, a caveat here. Understand that we submit because there are authority, not because we happen to like their reasons or because we happen to agree with what they've stated. We obey authority because there are authority. Now, now obviously, if they're teaching us to do something that's against God's word, that's a different story. And then later on, so like, for instance, let me give you an example for Chap. We're going to teach Chap to obey mom and dad's authority because we're his authority. And then as he grows, we'll teach him the why we made that decision, the how we made that decision. And, but he needs to learn that mom and dad, I obey mom not because I happen to agree with her reasoning. I obey mom because she's mom. And so authority, though, when we talk about authoritarian we have issues with, and I think rightfully so, with absolute obedience to authoritarian leadership. Um, but what I'm saying with the we listen and we, we obey because they, they say this, because sometimes a leader has to say, look, guys, this is like for me and for us in CHAP, look, you're just going to have to obey, and I'm not going to give you the reasons to do it. Because you need to learn to obey me. But what we're talking about here, though, is absolute obedience to authoritarian leadership. We have an issue with that because what we think of here, we think of like dictators. We think of a monarch. We think of people ruling in the church and, and the people have no say. And it's just do it. And we have issues. We think of Iraq, Iran. The other reason we have issues with submission is the result of abuse and power. How many of you have seen a pastor abuse his power in a church? Anybody? I have. You know, we see abuse of authority in our culture. We see it in politicians a lot. We see it in the church a whole lot. This is a challenge. The third acknowledgement of inequality. We have issues with submission because we think it's an acknowledgement of inequality. We think that submission implies inequality. So we think if, if, the, life, if the wife should submit to her husband that it somehow makes them unequal or unequal. That they're somehow on different planes and that's not submission. Submission does not carry with it inequality. But if you submit, you are not equal on equal planes with them. And it's at this point, guys, in Scripture, we come to face many challenges when it comes to submission and the church. I think, once again, Scripture challenges our thinking. 
the challenges. What, how, how do we think about submission in the church? And I think we have to reprogram our minds to think according to Scripture. Because here's why. Because submission to God, submission the way He has set it up, is a good thing. We think it's bad. We think it's rough. We think it's, well, it's going to get messed up. It's a good thing. Why is it a good thing? We see submission even within the Trinity. We see Christ submitting to the will of the Father. Now that right there throws out and just debunks the idea that submission somehow equals inequality. Because we know that Christ is equal with the Father. So the fact that he submits to the Father doesn't mean that he's, un, he's not equal with the Father. But instead he is equal. But he still submits to the will of the Father. It's Jesus who carries out the will of the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Submission is a good thing. It's a very good thing. And I want us to see how this beautiful picture of submission looks inside of the church when it comes to church leadership. So... We're going to see today two truths. Two truths that will help us understand submission in the church. Submission according to Christ. First of all, leaders serve the body. Leaders serve the body. Because the reality is, is that Christ modeled for us servant leadership. He modeled for us what a servant leader looks like. He defined leadership by serving. If you look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 10, you don't need to turn there. You can look it up later. It says, verse 10 says, neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, the issue was, was not was not nobody can be called a teacher or an instructor. The point was, the emphasis here, the point of the passage is on, look, the Christ is the, is the teacher. Christ is the authority. Christ is first. But Christ came to serve. And how do you lead? We lead, excuse me, we lead by serving. First is last, Mark 9, 35. And he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Again, Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45 says, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Leadership, Jesus defined as serving. Leadership in the kingdom of God is servant authority. And and I think that right there is we see a leader who serves the people... This idea of authoritarian, like, that begins to fade away. You know what I'm saying? It begins to fade away. Because when, when we think of an absolute authoritarian dictatorship, we, we think of someone who sits up in his castle or in his office and makes decisions regardless of what it, how it will affect the people, but it only affects him. And that's not the case. A servant leader can't do that and serve the people at the same time. So let's see, though, how two foundational realities that must be present. We want to see how two foundational realities must be present in any leader, and particularly in an elder of the church when it comes to this serving the body, elders serving the body. First of all, their authority is conditional. 
Their authority is conditional. So Jesus tells us that leadership in the church is servant leadership. And part of that is our leadership in the church is conditional. So this is contrary to absolute authority. A leader's authority is not absolute. Now let's talk about this for a moment. Christ's authority is absolute, right? Christ's authority is absolute. As a matter of fact, it is completely determinative. Uh, I, I don't even know all the words to say it, but his authority is determinative. It's absolute in all of our lives. And if we have a problem, and, and I'm going to step on a couple toes, okay? Maybe all ten of them. If we have a problem with submission, we have a problem with Christ. Let's talk about that for a moment. You say, you say this. Oh, Matt, it's easier to submit to Christ than it is to submit to you. Or it's easier to submit to Christ than it is to submit to my husband. Now let's think about that for just a moment. I mean, let's talk about our relationship. Most of what I'm going to guide you to do is, is primarily preaching. This is what God's Word says. Then there's going to be things, and we're going to talk about these in a few moments, things in the church where like, I give direction to and say we're going to do it a certain way. And those exact words don't come from Scripture, but Scripture gives me the authority to do that. Like, for instance, um, we're going to change our children's ministry, and it's only going to go up to age first, first grade, right? And some of you would Oh no, you know, this is my kids. And, and, but I still have the authority. So, I'm saying, so God's word commands you to be obedient in that situation, to submit. That's like one thing. And you're saying that that one thing, or those maybe three or four things of submission, is harder than Christ demanding complete submission of every aspect and every idea and every emotion and every action of your entire life. And you're saying that's easier than we're not going to have children's ministry up to third grade, only to first grade. The reason that seems easier because you don't understand submission to Christ. Because he demands absolute submission. It's because we let aspects of our life just kind of go by the wayside. And when we get around to finally submitting them to the Christ, then, then that's a good day. Instead of taking captive everything in our lives and submitting it all to Christ. Now, I do agree. He's a much better leader than I am, okay? Like, infinitely better. I understand that. But don't let that be your excuse to not submit. That's a different issue. So, I just want to get that out there. Don't, we can't use this excuse. Well, Jesus is easier, all right? It's, it's, it's just not going to work. Jesus' authority, though, is absolute. It's determinative over our lives. Not so, though, with a pastor or leader of the church. Their authority is conditional on two factors. It's conditioned on two factors. First of all, they must teach the word accurately. Leaders must teach the word accurately. Hebrews 13, 7. Let's go back to this. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Those who spoke to you the word of God. All throughout the New Testament. That's what we see. That's why the elders must be able to teach. Because their leadership is dependent upon their ability to teach God's word accurately. Someone who doesn't know God's word, he's standing on his own authority, on his own 
words. They must be able to teach the word. A leader in the church only has authority in so much as their leader is teaching the word of Christ. My leadership, Russ's leadership, is only so far as God's word, as our ability to teach God's word and the, the level of authority that God's word gives us. Because if a leader is teaching his own ideas, his own opinions, that's not authority. Now, he can have opinions. I can have opinions, and I can share opinions with you. But they don't have the authority and the weight of God's word. A leader must teach the word accurately, and they must live the word faithfully. And we talked about this in the elder series of the elder uh, sermon. Back to verse thir- uh, chapter 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The picture, this kind of summarizes us up. The picture is that we must hear the word from leaders' mouths and we must see it in leaders' lives. Hear it from their mouth and see it in their lives. And, and like I said when I was talking about elders two weeks ago, I, I'm supposed to be able to, to say to you, look at my life and imitate my faith. And we, we often just think of Paul. No, Hebrews 13, 7, consider their way of life, these leaders, and imitate their faith. I'm supposed to be, you know how humbling and how, I mean, how, like hard, like that's difficult. And, and I just, I just want to say, I think there's areas in my life that, that you guys can't imitate and that I'm, I'm happy to say that. And then there's other areas in my life that, that God's still working on me. And, and, I, ho- and I know that's true of Ross. And, and I hope you guys see that we're not, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to fail often. But generally speaking, we have to be able to say, follow us as we imitate Christ. That's why those qualifications, the character qualifications, are so important and they cannot be compromised. The picture, conditional authority, teaching the word accurately, living the word faithfully. Now I want you to think about with me, think about how this affects our idea of submission. So if we're supposed to submit to leaders and their leadership is conditioned upon teaching God's word and living it faithfully, Now think about what are you submitting to in that context. Ultimately, you're submitting to Christ. In the context where the leader is teaching God's word, whether that's from this platform or in a a conversation after church or on the telephone or through email, that we are living according to God's word, we're teaching God's word, that when you're submitting to that leadership, you're ultimately submitting to God because leaders, all we're doing is channeling Christ and, and God's word through us to the people. So when you submit to that leadership, you're not, I mean, yes, you're submitting to your leaders of the church, but you're ultimately submitting to Christ and to his word. Now, how does that change submission? Particularly if you say, well, it's easier to follow Christ than it is to follow you. Well, if the leader is teaching you God's word, then you submit to God's word because you're submitting to Christ. This is the picture in the church. 
It's interesting. If you read the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, he spends 10 chapters telling us that we don't need anybody to go in between us and God. First 10 chapters. Like, Christ fulfilled it all. We can go straight to God. Then why, when we get to chapter 11, does he say, submit to your leaders? He spends 10 chapters telling us we don't, we don't need someone to go in between us and God. We can go straight to God. And then all of a sudden he tells us we need leaders. Why? Because what is a leader doing in his leadership? He is pointing us to the cross. He's pointing us to Christ. So we don't need anything to go between us and God. We have Christ. Then a leader is not in between us and God. The leader is simply taking us to the one who paid the price and bridged the gap between us and God. Leadership in the church. Their authority is conditional. And I hope you guys see that. I hope you guys understand that. Um, Their authority is conditional. Secondly, their accountability is serious. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is the point where, like, um, fear takes my heart. Um, and I believe a healthy fear. And, and, and I believe Russ has a healthy fear. When, when we get to this point, is there will come a day where I and Russ have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have to give an answer for everything that we have done in Renovation Church. Every decision that was made, every dollar that was spent, every counseling session that was given, everything that was said from the pulpit, everything that was said in a Bible study, everything that was said by people who are leading underneath of our leadership. We will give an account. How did you lead my people? How did you take care of them? How did you provide for them? How did you teach them God's word? Leaders give an account. So leaders, what what do we do? If our accountability is serious, we serve carefully. Leaders keep a watch over the body when that verse, when it says, as though they're keeping watch over your souls, what that literally means there is to stay awake. To stay awake. Like, the, there is no sleeping time. Yeah, yes, I get sleep at nighttime. It doesn't mean, like, we don't ever get to go to sleep. I, I'd be a zombie, and we, nobody would be benefited by that. But what it means is that we keep watch to stay awake. It's intense. The imagery of submission in Scripture, guys, is what? It's a sheep and a shepherd. Let's think about that. Sheep follow a shepherd, right? Do sheep read a documentary on, like, how and, uh, you know, an instruction manual on how to follow a sheep? Is, is that what happens? No. What happens is the shepherd provides for them. He leads them to food. He cares for them. He protects them. And what happens is the sheep follow. They follow. 
And it's the picture that should be in the church as well. And I, and I, hope, you, I hope you feel that way. I hope you see that. Um, our, our goal as leaders in the church is, is, is to provide, is to protect. Sometimes that means being mean um, and honest. And sometimes that means being gentle. Now, it's gentle throughout the whole thing, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes that means we're softer, but sometimes that means we have to be hard. But just shepherd, leading sheep. Um, you know, not, not in a blind kind of way. Not in a way where you just take everything that comes out of my mouth and you go, oh, look, must be good. Matt said it. Or Rusty said it. No, like, we go to God's Word. We follow God's Word. Like, we, we see, what does God's Word say about this? And, and, and we check. All right. So they serve carefully. They serve responsibly. They serve joyfully. Responsibly and joyfully, leaders serve the body. This is, this is humbling. I, this, is, this is where I really believe that so much of this weight of this passage is on the leaders of the church. Whenever I counsel in a marriage situation, um, I always, I usually go after the male. Like, not because I'm a male, but because I think he's the leader and he needs to be held accountable for him and his marriage. Doesn't, doesn't devoid the wife of her responsibilities, but I believe the weight falls on leaders. I think it's the same thing in the church. There's a lot of weight on leaders. All right, so leaders serve the body. Let's talk about the body. The body submits to leaders. The body submits to leaders. All right, so let me begin this section with saying, if you're already trying to figure out in your mind, so where do I need to submit to leaders and where do I not? Where do I need to submit to my pastors and where do I not? You're probably already off on the wrong foot. Because you probably do the same thing with Christ. So where do I need to submit to Christ and where am I free to make my own decision? You're not free to make your own decision. You follow Christ and his will. Then, obviously, we already talked about this. It's conditional leadership. So I don't have the right to tell you how to make every single decision in your life. It's just, it's between you and God. I wouldn't want to do that anyways. Like, seriously. You make your own decision, you and Christ. I want to guide you with God's words to making those decisions. So, if we're already trying to decide, you're probably already off to the wrong foot. But the picture is that when leaders are teaching the word and living out the character of Christ, they are accountable. And when they do, the submission should not be forced. Like, we should be so gratefully following God's word and following Christ that when our leaders guide us, we just follow naturally. Not like a bunking bronco or a bucking bronco. Like, we don't do that bunking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, bucking bronco, right, or, uh, you know, the bull named Fu Manchu, like, we don't do that, some of you country people got that, right, sorry, that was a bad one, uh, uh, um, like, that's not what submission and leadership should look, I've seen that in churches, that's what it looks like, it's like you got the bull over here, and then the, the cowboys over here trying to do something, and, you know, and they're just, they're just going like this the whole time, that's, that's not leader, leadership, and submission should look natural. It's a glad submission. So the body then obeys the word that leaders teach. 
Now you're saying, oh, duh, I got it. Well, I'm just going to restate it and make sure it's clear. The body obeys the word that leaders teach. The body submits to leaders by obeying the word of Christ. To the extent to which I'm teaching God's word or Ross is teaching God's word, you have the responsibility to submit and obey. Not just the option, the responsibility. So there's a huge accountability for the leaders, but also for the body. The body, as we obey the word, the body is, first of all, under the authority of Christ. Under the authority of Christ. All right, particularly for you with Baptist backgrounds, I know I've been beating up on you for a few weeks, so we're going to do some more here. Let me remind you, okay? A church is not a democracy. The church does not operate on the will of the people. Okay? Show me in Scripture. There's nowhere in Scripture. It's not the will of the people. The church operates according to the will of Christ. Christ determines the direction of the church, not majority vote. And you say, well, we don't vote here. Well, I'm just giving you support for why, okay? We don't, it's not majority rule. We don't ever, it's never given us that responsibility in Scripture. Ever. It's not a democracy. As great as democracy is in our country, okay? And I believe it is a good thing. I think it has its bad things, and we have our bad politicians and such, but democracy as a concept, anyways, when, when carried out like it was intended to, I think is a good thing. Not in the church. It's not meant to be that way. So the body is under the authority of Christ, and the body is ultimately accountable, accountable to Christ. The body is ultimately accountable to Christ. Remember, we talked about what are particularly some of the particular areas that the church is responsible for. Matters of dispute, you know, Acts chapter 6, the body helps bring forth these, these deacons to meet these needs, and the body is a part of that. In matters of doctrine, when the gospel is not being preached, you guys have a responsibility to hold me accountable for that. And thirdly, in matters of discipline, when we get to the fourth step in church discipline, when we tell it to the church, that's a responsibility of the church. That we all go after them, that we, that we all, that's excommunication, that's, that's a part of the, the work of the church as a body. We're responsible for that. You know, ultimately, we're held accountable for that. And the body also imitates the faith that leaders have. That's why it's important to have biblical leadership. Remember we started off in the beginning talking about how the church, in order to do what God's called it to do, needs to have biblical leadership? This is why. Because you're responsible to imitate their faith. So if they don't have a faith that's worthy of imitation, you're kind of up to creek without a paddle. Like, trying to find a new church. And there's a lot of churches in that situation. A lot of churches. The body maximizes the joy that leaders experience. This is an awesome verse. Awesome verse. So you are supposed to make me 
happy, right? Lots of gifts, money, gift cards are great, tie nines, awesome. Um, love that place. Uh, gas cards are good, uh, especially with the truck. It doesn't get as good a gas mileage. Uh, you know, so make me, ha- no, that's not what the verse, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping a watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Think about Paul's letters to the Philippians. What's he saying there? He says things like, you are my joy and my crown. Like, every time I think about you, like, it just brings joy to my heart. Think about his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, my heart overflows with joy whenever I think of you. What's, what's going on? Like, what's this passage talking What is it that brings a pastor joy? And I have found this, um, and I believe this is what Scripture's talking about here. But also, like, my experience has just been right down the same road. It kind of affirmed that in my heart. What does this look like? So, a leader teaching God's Word, leading the people to Christ. Like, that's his responsibility. Your responsibility is to submit to that leadership. And that leadership is ultimately not to a man, but that leadership is ultimately to Christ. That submission is ultimately to Christ. So what brings me joy? What brings Russ joy? It's when you submit your life to Christ. When you're obedient to that call of Christ on your life. When I get an email that says, hey, you know, I, I've been serving, but, but I, I want to step it up. Is there anything else I can do? Is there any other area that, that I can, can, can work or can, can help? Or when I hear about someone who is having a gospel conversation with someone, one of their coworkers at work, I, when, I, when I hear of this marriage that's working, man, you know, they're struggling and, and things are hard and they're, they're trying to understand each other, but, but they're working on it and they're making progress and they're learning to be the marriage that God's called them to be. Like, that brings joy to my heart. And for you, like, that's something that should be easy. Like, you don't have to worry about what is it that I, because, I mean, there is a very clear responsibility for you to do this, to submit in such a way that it brings joy to your leader's hearts. But here's the thing. You don't have to worry about this checkbox of making sure I'm making Matt joyful. No, as you live this life in obedience to Christ, it brings joy to your leader's hearts. That's awesome. And I just, I just want you to know from my heart, like there is nothing more thrilling than hearing of someone making progress in their walk with Christ. Like Thursday nights when I meet with the guys, this is one of my most enjoyable time. Because it's, it's a very, very small group. It's a very intimate group. And we get to hear different stories at different times and, and hear what God is doing in their marriages, hear what God is changing in their lives and what coworker that they've been, been talking to about Christ and all those things. And that... That just, man, I just walk out of that going, I'm really tired, but that was awesome, right? Because we usually get done at like midnight. Uh, but I walk out going, that was really, man, Tuesday nights, Bible study, and we hear about stories of what God's doing in people's lives. 
and walk out. That is joy. The picture, guys, is wonderful. The picture of this leading, leaders who are leading according to God's word. Not perfect. People, the body submitting to that leadership. But again, it's ultimately submitting to Christ. And when leaders serve the body and when the church submits to leaders, the church is edified. Two things. The church is edified. He was 13, 17. Says at the end, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know what he's saying here? That biblical church leadership is designed to be an advantage to you. It's not designed just to be something that we need in order to, to keep the money in the right place, in order to keep the lights on. Like that. Let deacons take care of that stuff, right? Like, our leaders are here to be an advantage to, to you guys. Guys, do you think it's an advantage to the body to have leaders who are speaking the word, showing what it looks like in action while they care for, provide for, protect the body? Do you think that's a good thing? I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing. Now, obviously, as leaders, we have to guard against abuses. We have to guard against things. Like, I think that's why it's so important that we have two elders. And eventually, we'll have more. Now, it'll never be a large, large group. Probably never more than, I mean, I don't know, eight, ten. Depends on the size of the church and what God does and, um, and how they function and such. But there's no biblical limit to how many elders a church can have. We could have... 30. Now, there's got to be people for them to lead, so it can't be 30 elders in a church and only 30 people there that, that don't make any sense. I mean, the Bible does make sense sometimes. Uh, we have leaders, but it's always, it's always in the New Testament, it's always a plurality of them. It's always at least two. But that's a protection. There's accountability within the elders. That's, there's a protection. Um. Because when, when leadership's working, people are following, that's when the church moves forward. And I really believe, guys, that, it, I mean, this is all by God's grace, all because of his blessing. But Renovation Church is where it's at today because our leaders lead and our people follow. Like, seriously, just look around, guys. Our church is here today because people lead, or because leaders lead and people follow. And God has blessed that tremendously in this church. Because when there is not submission to leadership, there is not submission to Christ. You understand the correlation there. When you cannot submit to leaders. Now, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're teaching God's word, and you can't submit to that, you, then you can't submit to Christ. There's a church following his authority through leaders who are following Christ's authority. That kind of church can do anything. You guys see that? Like that church can go anywhere can do anything. So when this, this picture is happening, the church is edified, and lastly, Christ is glorified. Christ is glorified. And that's our purpose, right? I mean, that's why we're here. We're not here just to, just to build a big church. We're not here to, to have lots of people. We're here to glorify God. And how are we going to glorify God? By seeing Christ change lives and doing whatever it takes for that to happen.
I mean, whatever it takes. And I hope that your heart, and I believe, I believe your heart's on that same page. We're going to do whatever it takes. And man, when this, in a leader, in a church, when, when leaders are leading and people are following, it, it just, you want to know what it looks like? Looks like Renovation Church. I believe that. We're not perfect. We've got things to learn. We've got places to go, people to see, right? Like, we've got things to do. We have things to learn. But one thing I believe, like this, I don't believe is a rebuking sermon for us as overall as a church. I believe this is, should be an encouragement to us. If this is what's happening, this is where God's affirmation of that and, God, and, and an example of God's grace in our midst. So let's pray. And what I want to do is we're going to sing one last song today. And I just want to encourage you during this time to just reflect on how, how do I follow leadership? Is my heart in the right place? Have I had bad experiences in the past that are holding me back from following like I should? Am I being an encouragement? Am I bringing joy to my pastor's lives? Am I, am I submitting well? For those of you that are in leadership positions, because again, some of this applies to, to deacons and, and other people in leadership, and, and even to you husbands, are you leading in a way that protects and guides and directs? Are, are, are you leading? Are you bringing them along? This is something I reflect on all the time, both in my marriage, in my family with my son, and in the church. Am I leading in a way that brings honor to my father? He's the perfect example, right? He gave us life. I mean, God is the gospel, ultimately. So let's pray and uh, take this time to reflect on those things as we sing and as we worship, and, and, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. So let's, let's pray. Father, I, I'm thankful that you have put us in a church. You have gathered this body together in such a way that, um, that you have taught them in the process what it means to be followers, what it means to live out this, this life as a Christian in the community of faith. And Father, it's so awesome to, to get to to get to a passage that we can talk through, that we can work through, that, that we're already not doing perfectly, but, but something that we are striving to do. And God, you have blessed us in the process. And Father, but I just pray for these next few moments that you would help us to point out those things in our lives where that you would point out those things in our lives that where we are falling short of following our leaders. It, it might not be an outward expression where we, we might not be doing things on the outside that look obviously sinful towards our leaders, but it might be something in our heart, something that we're harboring, a sin, a, a resentment, a natural response to buck authority. Those are not biblical. Those are not godly. And Father, we convict our hearts of those, of those issues in our lives, whether they're visible or tucked away in that part of our hearts where we have told you it's off limits. 
Father, just those of us who are in leadership positions, help us to see the areas where we fail, areas where we need to work on and ask for help. Father, um, it's for your glory. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you guys stand?